0: Hey, I'm a physical giant too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put that put that thing down. <laughs> Lower that thing. Um, hi, Emmaus. Hi. It's so good to be here. Um, man, God loves Emmaus so much. Uh, he loves you guys so much. I just... I don't want to cry even before my own sermon. But sometimes when I'm worshiping and just feel God's heart for... Um, the congregation i start crying and that's a sign of god's heart just going towards going after you guys and i just felt so much love uh for towards you guys um uh, from the lord today and i think david read my script because when he was leading prayer man he's a man of god amen <laughs> David knows god's voice uh i feel like things the things are... yeah, yeah, that <laughs> <witness. laughs> like, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah but things that he was beating prayer for—it's right on, right on with what I'm going to talk about today. So, um, yeah, like David uh, said, my name is Sky Becker. I'm married to an American guy, that's why my name, my last name is Becker. I know I look very Korean. Um, and yes, I uh, serve as a healing and deliverance pastor, and also I'm a campus pa- uh, community pastor at Yonsei. Um, this is actually my second time preaching at Yonsei. Who was here last time? Yeah. Woo. What did I preach on last time? Wow! wow. Thank you. <laughs> Blessed. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I thought everyone's gonna be like silent. <laughs> yeah, I talked about confidence in love. And um, John Michael's actually preaching at Snoo tonight. So yes. you guys Snoo. I'm sorry. Is that uh, Snoo? So you guys are, well, me and John Michael always call this Snoo. Isn't it cute, like Snoo? Anyway, <laughs> but Imeas is getting double dosage of the Beckers tonight, so it's kind of, um, and I can't believe they separated us tonight. <laughs> Imeas staff, thank you. <laughs> but before I begin my message, I want to do a small activity. So if you could take out a pen and a paper. And when I say go, don't do it yet. When I say go, I want you to write down five things that first come to your mind. And don't think too hard about it. Actually, don't think about it at all. You just got to do it and write down whatever comes to your mind. Okay? And I'm only going to give you one minute. So, where's my timer? Anybody got a watch? Yeah, one minute. Can you tell me after one minute? No. Alex is gonna yell out "stop" when it's one minute when one minute's up. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. No? no? Come on, you guys are students. You should always have a pen and a paper yeah. by your side. <laughs> yeah. Just rip it out whenever you know I ask you to. but Are you guys ready now? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Set? Go! Ready? Five things. Five things that come to your mind. Anything. Oh my gosh. Warning like three, two, mm. five, okay. four. Five, five, six, 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 mm. Man, one minute's long. Twenty seconds. Thirty seconds? Twenty, 20 seconds. Ready. Ten. Five, four, three, two, one. Stop. (laughs) Who wants to share their list? Only the ones you're able to share. Okay, don't share (laughs) things that you feel like you shouldn't share. Share like anything too personal. But who wants to share like things that are on your list? You don't have to share everything. Maybe some of them. Okay. Cranberry. Cranberry. What's the cranberry? What is it for? Um, uh, I don't know. Cheesecake. I know. Cheesecake, cranberry, parents, exercise, school exercise. Okay? Okay. Yeah, Marie? Pancakes, Jesus, Jensen, flowers, and paint. Oh. Wow. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You know... Can you, um, well, the purpose of this activity was to see what's on you guys' minds right now. Because re- whether you know it or not, you're constantly thinking about something. You're actually focused on things, whether you know it or not. And um, yeah, like when I kind of call it out for you to write it down, the things that come to your mind, it's probably the things that you, that your life is involved, revolving around a lot, like family, cheesecake. Uh, jen, gent- no, just kidding. <laughs> they see each other all the time, so of course, you know. But the reason why I did this uh, activity is because today I want to talk to you guys about focus. Okay? And um, I want to say that focus, what you focus on, shapes your day, life, your emotions, and your actions. And focus actually is a central point of what uh, your thoughts and emotions are kind of revolving around. So put all those other focuses away, scrap that, and put your focus on me now, because I'm going to uh, give you a bomb diggity word, right? <laughs> but, um, bomb diggity word. Uh. But anyway, today I just want to talk to you about focusing on the right thing, especially in times of trouble, hardship, or struggle in life. Okay? With this topic, I want to share some of my testimonies uh, Specifically regarding my family Because I believe many of you guys in this room Would want to have the similar breakthroughs Or have been contending for breakthroughs or healing Or um, or that you've been contending for your family Or any other things in your life There's something that you have been uh, contending in your life So take my testimony as your own as I share it Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of Prophecy, right? It's Revelation nineteen ten. Before I get to my te- get into my testimony, let's look at a story in the Bible. Uh, it's a good example of focusing on the right thing in times of trouble. So turn your Bibles to First Samuel twenty three. First Samuel twenty three one. It's a random book, right? Samuel, First Samuel. <laughs> But I was uh, really blessed by this passage during my quiet time. To give you a background story, um, David, do you guys know David? Yeah. yeah, the same guy from everyone's all-time favorite Sunday school story, David and Goliath. That David is actually on the run in this chapter from King Saul, who's trying to kill him because he's jealous. David actually didn't do anything wrong. Saul was just starting to become jealous about his success and about his fame, about how everyone in the kingdom seemed to love David. So Saul actually, out of jealousy, he got blinded, and he actually became fearful of David as a result trying to kill him. So David fled from Saul, and he's in Judah with his army, with his men. When he hears the news that the Philistines, which are the bad guys, they're the enemies of Israelites, which is what David is, it is fighting against Keilah. Uh, it's the same, I guess, David's same species, same uh, people group, right? Species. <laughs> species. <laughs> Specie. So let me read it for us. Are you guys there? Yeah. First Samuel 23, 1. First one. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah, how much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Let me explain this passage a little bit. When David hears that his brothers are getting attacked by the Philistines, his first response was to ask God, Should I go and help my brothers? And what was God's response? Yes, go, right? But what did his men say? What His men was opposing him saying what? (laughs) They were saying, we're on the run ourselves. We're scared here in Judah. How much more scary would it be to go to Keilah and face the people that we're running away from? And David's army's response was one of fear. Have you guys been chased by someone who's trying to kill you? No, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sure none of you guys have, but I think many of us can relate to the feeling of being in a bad situation. Right? A really, really bad situation. And I wanna, what I wanna ask you today, tonight is this. Is there a hardship, uh, or a trouble in your life right now? And when you look at it, how do you feel about it? I don't know. I know know some of you guys are going back home and you're worried about, you know, maybe losing a community or not being plugged in right away. Or is my faith going to continue to grow? I don't know. Maybe there are some of you guys who are feeling like um, hopeless when you look at your family situation. Okay? Is your focus on the fear and pain of it and are you going to settle there and not move forward because the only thing you see is hopelessness of reality and the fact that the enemy is out to get you? My family is a mess. My dad doesn't speak anything but negativity and death over me. What do you mean I should go out and love other people? When I look in the mirror, all I see is things I don't like about myself. What do you mean God sees me as beautiful, made in his image, one with purpose? I'm going to keep focusing on my ugliness right here. I feel like God is calling me to the entertainment mountain. But when I see the reality of how hard it is, how impossible it is, how dark that place is, what do you mean I'm going to bring change and healing to the entertainment mountain? Hmm? Maybe these are some of the examples of how you see your situation. What are you focused on when you look at your hardship? Are you focused on what the world says or what God says about it? Because I'm here to tell you that what you should focus on is nothing else but on the promises of God. The truth of God for your lives. Look with me how, um, to how David, who is on the run for his life, was encouraged by his, his best friend Jonathan. So go to First Samuel 23, verse 15. And we're going to read it together. One, two, three. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph and Horish, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish, and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. That's good. So Jonathan tells him, Do not fear... For the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. How does Jonathan know this? Because that was God's promise over David, and everyone knew that because God um, actually anointed David a while ago. You know, in front of everybody, so people know. And he says, "Saul, my father, also knows this." So Jonathan, what he does is he reminds of uh, he reminds David of. Uh, god's promise for his life his sovereign plan that if you guys didn't know um well i already said this he was anointed david was anointed years ago and that means even if david tried to go find saul and get killed that it will not happen because it was not part of god's plan right then israel would lose a king so and that it was not the promise of god for david and watch this. It says, Saul, my father, also knows this. you guys know that the enemy also knows this? Guys, the enemy also knows of God's plans and promises for your life. And you know what? If you don't know it, you got to know it. Because if you don't know it and you don't focus on God's promise, then the enemy will to, to try to do anything he can to avert your focus on the negativity, on the hopelessness, on I can't do this, or fear, or defeat. And that's my main point today. It's one thing I want you to get out of this message is that that you have to keep your focus on the promises of God and not the lies of the enemy. Okay? Just curious, what time, how much time? As long as you want. As long as I want? (laughs) 8.30, 830, thank you. Because I can go as long as I want. So now I want to share with you my story, my testimony. I didn't almost get killed, but there were moments where I felt close to it, just emotionally, uh, spiritually. You know, I feel like I want to die, or I'm, I feel like I'm gonna die in this situation. So I was born and raised in Korea until I was 13, and my life in Korea was like any other normal Korean kids. Uh, My younger brother was born when I was nine, so we have nine years gap. And I had a pretty good, you know, parents. My parents were really, I loved my mom. You know, my dad was really nice to me. Except my dad was a pretty angry and depressed man at at times. He wasn't that way all the time. I had some sweet memories with him. But I also remember him to be scary and hard to approach, uh, fighting with my mom a lot, screaming, and even throwing things. I was yelled at a lot for little things I did. But when he wasn't in that scary mode, he was generally a good father. And I remember playing instruments with him, or going to play badminton with him, and you know, going walks together on a park, at a park. So he was a good dad. Then my family decided to move to the States when I was 13, and everything changed. My parents' relationship quickly got worse and worse. And one morning, I woke up to find out that my dad had been arrested by the police for beating my mom and threatening to kill her and me and my brother. He was ordered not to come near us, and pretty soon after that incident, my mom had us move in with her new husband with his two sons. So all of a sudden, within a year of living in this foreign country, America, I was facing uh, a whole new world and language to adapt to, and Along with my two stepbrothers and my stepdad, too, for me to get along with. And to make things worse, after living with them for a year, my mom decided to send my younger brother to my biological father because my stepdad didn't like him. So I cried almost every night for my brother. I even banged my head against things in an attempt to forget my emotional pain so that my, uh, by causing a physical pain. Growing up with my stepfather and my stepbrother added to that pain. I was verbally abused by my father uh, regarding my identity and worth and I had to strive to be loved and approved by him. As a result, I was not a happy kid in middle school or high school. Can you imagine? (laughs) I'm so happy now. You know, people see me like all healed and delivered and free and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I used to be very scary. And they're like, whatever, you're like this tall, right? <laughs> but I was really scared. You can ask my best friend, Semi, who goes to Hillside. That uh, I met her in middle school. And uh, we were kind of encouraged to get to know each other by our mutual friend. Our mutual friend, Jenny, was like, hey, jia which is my Korean name, is a good girl, like, go meet her. And the same thing to Semi. And then Semi later told me that she didn't want to. Because she saw me in class and we didn't know each other's faces back then uh, and then he she just saw how scary I was and she just didn't even want to come talk to me because I was really scary looking but yeah can't you can't imagine right <laughs> but that that was me um, I built the fortress around me and was ready to fight anyone that would try to come in and possibly hurt me again then I went to college and my god in a christian fellowship like this it was called ccf christian what is it christian cornerstone fellowship thank you gina actually one of my uh fellow i guess sister from that same fellowships visiting today from the states just for two weeks right and then she happens to be here so thank you but yeah that's where i felt the love that my leaders showed me uh, and through that i just got to see the father's love And my husband, John Michael, was actually my familiar leader. So, you know, we called it home group, uh, but he was my leader. And he showed me the kind of love, a father's love, that I've never experienced before. And I know this is a little weird because we're married now, but I can go into that later. It was years later, like six, seven years after our mutual friendship of mentor, you know, like me being a mentee and he was a mentor, that... um, God matured me enough for us to see each other as a peer. But before that, we were very, uh, it was very platonic, like very, like I, I saw him as a spiritual father figure type of relationship. So he is part of the reason how I came to know Christ. And God began growing me consistently throughout my college years. And all the false identities that were spoken over me by my stepdad were being washed away. And I grew stronger and stronger in my identity. And although nothing at my home was changed, I was able to face all the trials through God who continuously filled me with his strength and hope. So May 8th of 2007, um, that was a very pivotal moment in my life. By this time, I was serving as one of the leaders uh, at my college fellowship. And I've kept kept in touch with my brother, Stephen, and my dad. Uh, meeting them occasionally, because my mom actually let me uh, reunite with my da- dad and my brother two years after we have separated. And I made a really big scene in IHOP. Not the, the house of prayer IHOP, but an international house of pancakes, right? Because <laughs> that's where I met him for the first time after a year. And I was wailing and wailing really loudly uh, that to this day that my brother makes fun of me. <laughs> I'm like, jerk, (laughs) you don't know what I went through for you, because I loved you, but, you know, I'm sure he knows the pain, but now because we are healed, we, we are, our wounds are mended, like, we can talk about it with laughter, but back then it wasn't funny, right, um, yeah, and then, uh, my family, on the other side, my other family, my stepbrother, my stepdad, it was the same old, same old, you know, my stepbrothers kept getting themselves in trouble, my mom and stepdad were continue, continuously fighting, and I had one more stepsister, actually, at that point, that started living with us, because um, she was living with her biological mom at the time, where my stepdad remarried my mom, so he's on. she's another daughter of my stepdad that came to live with us, so it's like a packed house and that day I happened to ask God for a new name you see I've, I've been going by my Korean name until that point which is G Kim G it means to know love it's a pretty name but the reason why I asked for an American name is so that people could actually pronounce my name right
1: <laughs> right because
0: <laughs> who who of, of you have gone through that trouble of like Ja a you know, like, what like is that? But that's me. You know, so it's like, God, I want an American name. And I also, not just to be silly, but I heard a testimony of a lady who prayed for a name. And God gave her a new name through different signs and confirmations and prophetic uh, ways. So I thought that was so cool. And God actually did this many times in the Old Testament. But I didn't know that at the time. So, you know, I just asked for it. Um, For example, God renamed Abram to Abraham in Genesis 17. Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means father of a multitude. And God named Jacob to Israel in Genesis 32. Jacob means heel grabber because that's what he did to his twin brother Esau when he was being born. Um, But Israel means God prevails, prevails. And also the name where the nation of Israel comes from. So when God does that, he's not only giving them a new name, but he's giving them a new identity and a promise. And that day, I asked for a new name. That, ha- that day happened to be one of the hardest times to pray for my family. So I was praying for the salvation of my family because I was the only Christian. And I just went through each of them. My brother, my dad, mom, stepdad, two stepbrothers, stepsister, grandma. And I just felt so overwhelmed. I felt so overwhelmed. I just started crying. I asked God, God, why is this even possible? Look at him. It just takes so much long, such long time just to pray through all the names. Is this even possible for all of these people to know you? And I felt like God was telling me, open up your Bible to where you're supposed to read today which was Zechariah 8, according to my Bible reading plan. So I opened up. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm crying and I'm opening up the Bible, right? I opened to Zechariah 8, and this is what it said. Starting at verse 6. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, but is this impossible for me? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. Be strong and finish the task. Verse 12, for I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit, the earth will produce its crops, the heavens Or sky in NLT, New Living Translation, will release the dew. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with rebuilding the temple. (laughs) Yeah, I I couldn't deny that this was God shouting in my ears. And I felt like God was telling me that you are the sky. You are the symbol and source of blessing to your family. Every tear that you shed, praying for them, it's going to rain down the dew. So those seeds that are planted among them will grow. Their salvation will come through your prayers. That was the promise that he gave me that day. I cried and I cried. And that promise has been engraved on my heart to this day. And I shared this testimony on, on the Facebook. And I asked all my friends to start calling me Sky now. You know? But then, at first when they would call me, hey Sky, I would be oblivious, like, huh? Cause I wasn't used to it. And, you know, they'd be like, hey, hey, they're calling you, it's your new name. You know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's my name, right? But every time people would call me Sky, it was a reminder of God's promise for my family. And just like David could go into another battle, even though he was on the run himself, because Jonathan had come, And reminded him of God's promise. I also could keep my focus on God and keep battling for my family. And my battle was not against the flesh and blood. Guys, your battle is not against flesh and blood. According to Ephesians 6.12. I didn't go to my dad and keep nagging or talking to him about God. Although sometimes I did whenever I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to. So you have you have to kind of use your wisdom and discernment and kind of seek for the right timing, right? And he would shut me down right away. He would get irritated, very annoyed. Hey, keep that God stuff to yourself. That's what he said to me. And I didn't sit my brother down and give him a one-on-one Sunday school every day. Or I didn't sit my mom down. When she was suffering with depression and suicidal thoughts. And preached to her, oh, that you should turn to God. And with God, she had no strength to do that. All I could do was pray. So I just prayed. I prayed and prayed. And I showed them love to them when they needed it. And I prayed for them when they were open to it. I shared about God's testimonies in my life. And told them that God can do the same for them. But 90% of the battle was in the spirit. In my prayer closet. In 2009, two years after I got my name Sky, I was chatting with my biological father, uh, as usual at his house. Our relationship at this point has gotten a lot better. So whenever we met up, we just try to have fun and enjoy spending time with each other. And he thankfully lived very close to home, my other home, so I could go drive and see him and see my brother. And one day, we are just hanging out. And he started telling me about this crazy story of how he almost got robbed, with gun pointing at him and everything. Because he was working at a liquor store in downtown DC, which is very uh, dangerous place. So the robbers came; they were holding guns to his head. And but what ended up happening was they just ran away without anybody being hurt or any, anything being lost. And he said he actually had his check, uh, what is it, his a paycheck from the week in his back pocket. That was his everything, but for some reason they just grabbed whatever was in his hand, which was like a bag of like rice balls. <laughs> so his lunchbox—I guess they thought it was where they kept, or he kept the money. So they just came, grabbed his lunchbox, and then ran away. And nobody got hurt, and nobody got you know lost anything. So he's telling me this story. I'm just like, I'm just so thankful that he didn't get hurt. But he goes on to saying. Man, my Heavenly Father was really protecting me at that moment. And I was like, what? I looked at him like, what, well, what, what? What do you mean, Heavenly Father? Are you in a cult? Like, I was so, uh, like, startled because he never mentioned anything about God before, or it was nothing gradual, anything like that. He just mentions this like, it's a matter of fact. What, what, what do you mean you don't know that I'm saved? You know? And he just goes on saying like, no, I've always been a son of God. I believe in Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, right. So I just kind of like started interrogating him because I just wanted to be sure of his right Jesus and right God, you know. So after like a long, long time of interrogation, I found out that he went to church one day because of me, but without telling me that he's going uh, and accepted Christ at an altar call. And he's been so on fire for God to this day that I've never seen an old man at that age with such pure heart and faith for the Lord. And he's just a completely different man. Now I'm just like, can we talk about something else? Because he just talks about God, his goodness, his love. That's just all he's talking about now. So amazing, right? And in 2010, I decided to come out to Korea to follow God's calling for my life. And I was living out here. But I went home for a brief time for Christmas. And my dad actually expressed that he wanted to ask my mom for forgiveness for, for what he has done. So I set him up to meet. And my dad asked her for forgiveness uh, with tears. And I have one more time, once again. <laughs> I don't know why I have. And my mom was so cool, cool about it. And she's like, yeah, forgiving forgiven you a long time ago. And, um, yeah, and it was just beautiful. And my mom actually got divorced with my stepdad that same year after 12 years of verbal abuse and mistreatment, which was actually for her good. And God is not for divorce, don't get me wrong. Uh, But God led my mom and I with clarity and peace to move on from the unhealthy relationship and abuse. Uh, And now she's married to a really good guy who respects her and cares for her. And the cool thing is that her new husband invited my dad to a dinner because he's heard great things about my dad and uh, they now have a six year old daughter and he saw the way my dad treats his daughter. So they're like, Hey, let's have a picnic together. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't there, but my mom told me, te- texted me like a weekend, the week before the picnic happened. And she's like, yeah, we're going to go on a picnic with your brother, my, New husband and then your dad. I was like, okay, uh, we'll see what happens. And then they met up, and this guy, even though he's not not a Christian yet, my mom's husband, he has such a good and pure heart. And I feel like God's going to use my dad to bring salvation to my mom and uh, the new husband. But he has such a kindred spirit with my dad. They're both very goofy, both very, like, family, like, hey, like, very, I don't know, there was some kind of connection happening. So at this picnic, they had a blast And now they're like really, really <laughs> Close buddies <laughs> So my mom would invite him over uh, For dinner Like, hey, we're having like crabs tonight You want to come? And he would come over and Babysit Hannah, which is a six-year-old daughter And uh, just they just have a Laugh and, you know, just good time And I'm like This is so weird <laughs> Like, what kind of family does this? But you know When you look at it, this is only possible by God's grace. And it's so pure and it's so beautiful. There's no ounce of any ulterior motives or any like, like hidden feelings for them. This was just pure, like, I don't know, fellowship for them. And, you know, his, God's grace is so powerful that it heals all emotional wounds and reconciles and mends all relationships and it's only by his love that people who are once enemies can sit at the same dinner table together and laugh and joke and looking over all sins of the past. And my dad also asked me and my brother to forgive uh, him that winter. He sat us down and he shared about his own past that I never heard about. Uh, he said that when he was growing up, his um, Stepmom abused him so hard that he had to go to hospital, but he couldn't go to hospital because nobody took him. And he was even kicked out of the house when he was in middle school. So he grew up basically like an orphan. I had no idea about this, about my dad. But he was just saying that that's what caused him to live under the bondage of rage and depression for many, many years that he's completely free from now. So I cried with him and told him that I forgive him which allowed him to forgive himself and be free from all guilt and shame. (laughs) Sorry. Last time I uh, wiped my nose in front of everybody. (laughs) Now I spill water in front of everyone. And on August 15th of 2011, I got married to John Michael. And my dad walked me down the aisle. Um, the same man who abused my mom and left my life for 10 plus years. Now as the best dad I could ever ask for. Flowing with so much joy and love for God, he held my hand as we danced together. I know some of you guys uh, watched my wedding video and cried, and it's okay because I cry every single time I watch it. Um, because... It's beyond what you see on the video. It's not just a oh, sweet dance between a father and a daughter. But it's God's uh, power of grace and reconciliation and redemption. It's just all in that video. And my brother, Stephen, I don't know if you guys met Stephen. Anyone and met Stephen? He's a cool guy. He was here for three months this summer. And when he came, he shared with me that... Um, That he was actually saved in 2011 through a conference that I was a part of. I was part of the staff team for the conference. And with my brother, uh, I just dropped him off at uh, youth group, youth retreat that I was serving as a teacher. Like, hey, you're going on a field trip. Pack up. And I would just take him, let him, like, you know, hang out with kids who are, you know, of Christian background. And then this conference as well, I just signed him up, paid for it. And he came. And I didn't know that he was saved there, but he shared with me that he was saved then. Um, And he got his salvation stamped by getting baptized in New Philly this summer, right in front of my eyes. Uh, And he was joking around saying, you know, I've been saved actually for three years, but for some reason I couldn't get baptized. Like I missed the deadline or, you know, I wouldn't be able to sign up, but I'm now baptized finally, right? And I felt like I was saying that that was my perfect timing because I wanted you to see him get baptized to me. And I felt like I was telling me that it was your prayers that led him to Christ. And I want you to see that. I want you to rejoice. I want you to be fully present for his baptism. So (laughs) all this came when he was getting baptized. And it didn't hit me until I saw him get submerged in the water with, By Pastor Christian. And I was like, you know, I'm happy for him, not really thinking much. And then all those emotions came and I started weeping and it's on camera. It's on tape. uh, It's on video. uh, It's on our photos now. Uh, But yeah, it was such a sweet moment. And guys, none of this would have been, um, would have happened if my focus was not on the goodness of God. If I had focused on the reality of how hard it is. How much it sucks to be a mess in a messed up family or made myself at home there and I would then I would have never gotten to see the salvation of my dad and my brother in 2010 when my mom and stepdad were getting divorced it was really messy and more and more I prayed I actually started praying with my stepsister every single week uh, we us together, uh, just for like hour or two, we would just pray for our family and things got worse and worse in the natural as we prayed harder and harder. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? What's going on? Do you not want me to pray? Because things are obviously not getting better. Right? But I knew, when I look back now, I know that that was God's way of orchestrating things in the spirit that we don't know for my mom to be uh, for, to force my mom to leave that relationship yeah. Because my mom was trying her best Not to go through another divorce Which was actually not good for her And my message is very very simple today What are you focused on? What are you guys focused on? Um, I want to spend the rest of the time Just praying for you guys And if, you, if any of this uh, Whether it's family Whether it's some different type of hardship um, if any of these kind of, uh, you feel a witness in your spirit and you want to be prayed for, for whatever you're struggling through, uh, struggling with, that you want to be able to focus on God's promise and God's goodness, I want to invite you guys up here. And if I can have David uh, come up and the Emmaus, Emmaus staff.